Father, we praise your name today. Oh, Lord, there is nothing more deserving of our praise than your holy name. Father, you experience death. You experience suffering. You experience the finality of all of that. But Lord, you're alive. So we praise you today. We worship you today with everything we have, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Thank you that you give us life through your resurrection. Father, help us to grasp that life. Help us to live that life to the fullest and help us to share that life with others. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I have a great privilege this morning, and, and that's to uh, preach God's word to you, but more importantly, to be able to proclaim to you the resurrection of Jesus. It's a beautiful day. I know that the weather isn't supposed to be very nice today. I know it's probably going to rain most of the day, but it's a beautiful day because today we celebrate Jesus is risen. He is risen. I really don't usually say that, but I wanted to see how many of you said that back to the TV when I said that. I'd be interested to know. But he is risen. What a great thing that we have to celebrate today. I want to thank you guys for joining us um, through Holy Week. I want to thank you for joining us online on Thursday night as we shared um, in the, the Last Supper together. And, and my, my hope was that this week, as we walked through Holy Week, that you would experience and be able to kind of feel like you were in the story, that you were a part of what was happening through Holy Week for Jesus. And so Thursday night, we had the Lord's Supper together. We gathered at our own tables and, and then Friday night we had the prayer drive, and that was through the journey from the Last Supper to the cross. And the end of Friday night was the cross. It was death. It was darkness. It was despair. And, and I, I want to pick up and read in Matthew 27. We're going to start in verse 59. It says this, Joseph took the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb, so they saw this happening. The next day, the one, the one after preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said... We remember that while he was alive, the deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal his body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went, and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard there. So Friday night, 
We were left with darkness. We were left with the cross. We were left with death. And there is something very final, very, very certain about death. But then we see that, that the people that were against Jesus, the people that thought Jesus was a false prophet, they wanted to make sure. So they sealed the tomb. They put a guard there. I mean, this is, this is it. It's darkness. And, and the Mary Magdalene and the other Mary are sitting there and they're seeing this. And I, and I can't imagine what they must have been feeling, that, that darkness, that despair, that hopelessness. Have you been there before? Have you felt that darkness? Just before service here, we were, we were sharing about resurrection and, and we were sharing about some of the darkness. I know I've been here before. And the disciples and, and the Marys, they had seen this one that they had followed all along, the one that had done miracles, the one that had been at work, the one that had fed thousands, the one that had raised others from the dead. They saw him die. And Mary and, and Magdalene and the other Mary saw the tomb sealed. And so they're left with this hopelessness. Have you, have you ever been there? Maybe, maybe you failed in a big way. I've failed in a big way a lot of times. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost someone close to you. Maybe you just got to the point that you felt like you couldn't fight an addiction or a problem of sinfulness in your life. And you got to a point where you, it was darkness. It was hopelessness. It was it was despair, and you didn't know how you were going to move forward. Today, as we, as we look at this story, I, I want us once again just to feel like we're here. And so I want you to think about those times in your life where maybe you were stuck in complete darkness. Maybe there was despair. Maybe you didn't know what was going to happen or how you were going to get through that day or the next day. We watch movies all the time, and, and there's a moment like this in just about every movie where the plot's going along and everything's fine, and then all of a sudden a problem arises, and it comes to a place where, where we don't know what the solution will be. Well, let's, let's pick it up in Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards, <coughs> the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Listen to these next words. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, 
and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him and they clasped his feet and worshipped him. This is the first Easter service. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, but go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And so we we come from the darkness of Good Friday. We come from the despair and the, the, the loneliness, the hopelessness, the emptiness of seeing that stone rolled in front and sealed, of seeing that guard placed there, the finality of death. And Mary and Mary come to the tomb, probably expecting to mourn some more. And they're greeted by this amazing picture, this amazing angel that comes down from heaven. And the angel says these words, he is not here, he is risen, he's alive, just as he said he would. This is incredible. See, see Jesus had told people, he had told his disciples, he had told many people that he would die, but that he would be raised to life three days later. In fact, in that previous scripture that I read, the people that were against Jesus had heard him say this. And so they said, hey, this guy tells us he's going to be raised from the dead. Let's make sure he can't. Let's seal the stone. Let's make this final. And the angel says... I know you think he's dead, but he's not. He is risen. He's alive, just as he said he would be. Oh, man, I can't imagine the feeling that they must have have felt. I can't imagine how those words that Jesus had told them, that prediction that I will be raised from the dead, I can't imagine how that must have flooded back to them. And they must have had, it says they had, they were fearful because they were met by this angel, but they were joyful. I can't imagine the joy that they must have felt. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And so there's something we say a lot around the church. We say, it comes from Scripture, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. Listen to me. Jesus is the truth. There are a lot of different people that that can tell you different things may happen. There are people that predict different things. Maybe the economy, they predict this, or maybe they predict the winner of a game, or they predict this or that. There are a lot of people who predict things, and sometimes they're right. But Jesus is the truth. Jesus, what he says, this this is so important to our story Because what Jesus claimed was true. And so what what we know from Jesus, what Jesus has told us, is truth. He is who he says he is. He did what he said he was going to do. The result is what he said it would be all along. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is the truth. Listen, we've all been in a dark place. We've all hurt. We've all been in a place of despair. But you know what else Jesus says? Jesus says, I am with you always. 
Jesus says, I will help you through this. Jesus says, this is not the end. Death is not the end for you, but you have life in me. See, Jesus is the way. He shows us the way. Jesus is the truth. What he says is true. And Jesus is the life. We have life through him. Because not only did he die to pay the price for our sins, not only did he taste death in our place, not only was he nailed to the cross, but he conquered death. That thing that, that entered the world because of our failures, that thing that, that threatens every single one of us, that thing that, that is looming over us, that tells us that we're not good enough, that thing that says that there's no tomorrow, that thing that tells us that it's all despair and it's all hopeless and we're never going to make it, Jesus conquered it, which means death is not the end. That's good news for us today. Death is not the end. Listen, I, I, know, that, um, I know that most of you that are watching um, have heard the message of Christ before. I know that most of you have probably been to church and you probably know a good bit about the Bible, but I also know that there may be some watching today that don't really know what this is all about. And I just want to tell you that if you haven't experienced life through Christ, there is no better time to make that decision and that commitment than now. See, the truth is, all of us have sinned and fallen short. All of us have messed up. All of us have missed the mark. We've failed. We've blown it. And because of that, it's hopeless. But Jesus came so that we could have hope. Jesus paid the price for our sins. When there, is a, when there is a mistake, when there is a failure, there is consequences. And the consequences of our sin is death. When, when we sinned, when Adam and Eve came into the garden, they sinned. And what happened was death entered the world. But Jesus came to pay the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven, but more than that, so that we could have life. See, Jesus didn't just pay the price for our sins. Jesus was raised from the dead so that we could live life to the fullest. And so today, if you're watching this and you've never experienced the forgiveness, the grace, and life that Jesus offers, I want to invite you to say, Jesus... I want life through you. Forgive me for the times I messed up. I thank you that you paid the price for me. Forgive me for all of my failures and mistakes. But Lord, I want to be right and whole and have life in you. Man, don't miss the opportunity to experience resurrection today. Death is not the end. And so, so the next part is this. Jesus, the angel says, he is not here. He is alive just as he said. And, and then the angel says this. He says, hey, to go tell his disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. Jesus is calling a meeting. He's saying, go get my guys. Tell them to meet me in Galilee. Now, who are these guys? These guys are the ones that failed him. 
These guys are the ones that deserted him. These guys are the ones that denied him. These guys are the ones that, that missed the mark and failed just like every one of us has. And Jesus is alive. He is risen. And the angel says, tell the guys to go meet him in Galilee. Jesus says, tell my guys to meet me in Galilee. And so we're going to pick it up here in verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely... I am with you to the very end of the age. So Jesus calls a meeting. He says, tell my guys, yeah, the failures, the ones that, that blew it, the ones that let me down, tell them to meet me in Galilee. And they show up in Galilee, and Jesus comes, and all of a sudden their meeting becomes another Easter service. They start to worship because Jesus is alive. See, Good Friday brought despair and darkness. But Jesus is alive. He's with them. And so they start to worship. And they have this celebration. Because death has turned to life. Despair has turned to hope. Defeat has turned to victory. And so they're celebrating and they're worshiping. Just as we are today. And, and so here we are. It's Easter morning. And today we celebrate, we worship Jesus, the name above all names, because he's alive, because he's resurrected, he's no longer dead. That's where we're at. Our Redeemer lives. And so I talked about this movie, and every movie, you know, has, has that problem, and usually that problem comes to a point of despair and darkness and hopelessness, and then all of a sudden, there's a turn, and this is the turn, because Jesus shows up, he's alive. And, and so I want you to think about, um, th there are some movies that came to my mind, I'm thinking um, this turn, Hoosiers, great basketball movie. And these young guys who really didn't have any business being a great team learn to be a great team, but they get to the final game and they just, they just don't have it. And in the first half, they're lifeless. And they come to halftime and, and all hope is lost. And they're done. But then, but then there's the turn. And, and there's the pep talk. I was thinking of my, my favorite movie, Braveheart. We have this hopelessness of the people that are trying to fight back for their freedom, but they're fighting against far more people, and they come to a battlefield, and they're far outnumbered by their enemy, and it's hopeless, and it's lost, but then William Wallace comes riding in and starts rallying the troops, and we see the turn. I was thinking of Rudy. I'm not a big Notre Dame football fan, but... But, but that moment in Rudy where the coach comes into the locker room at halftime, and he says... Nobody's going to come to our house and take what's ours. They're going to try to take it, but they can't. And all of a sudden we have the turn, and that's what we're seeing here in our story. There was darkness, there was despair, but now Jesus is alive, and they're worshiping together because Jesus is the name above all names. 
And then Jesus speaks. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth have been given to me. And at this point, I have to imagine that they're worshiping and Jesus says this. And they must have said, yeah, all authority. Jesus is the name above every other name. Jesus is great. And they must have celebrated because they knew they had victory. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Listen, today, Jesus is worthy of our praise. But I want us to understand that all authority in heaven and on earth is of Jesus. There are a lot of different competing authorities in our lives. I don't think that's ever been more apparent than right now as we hear on the news different things every day, as we read on social media different things every day. One person is saying this, another person is saying this. There are competing authorities all around us. Your job is an authority. Your sports for your kids are an authority. The media is an authority that's trying to tell you how to live. The government, there are all these different powers. And then we're in the middle of a pandemic and there are these sicknesses and things that seem like they have authority. But I've got good news today. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Listen, I don't know where your head's at today. But you serve a God that is over all and through all and in all. And Jesus is exalted above all things. And so they must have cheered. They must have been excited. It's that turn moment. They're ready to go. And then Jesus gives them the speech. Because there's something next. This isn't the end of the story. He says three things. First, he says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. See, you who tasted failure, you who, who felt there was no hope, you who have denied me in falling short, you now go. They had an Easter worship service. They had a celebration. They celebrated the resurrection. But then Jesus said, this isn't the end. It's time to go. I want to tell you something, church. We are not called to stay and be comfortable. We are called to go and make disciples. See, the easiest thing for us on this Easter morning is to come together and have this great celebration and worship and, and be excited and, and then to say, hey, I'll see you next week. Hey, same time, same place next week. All right, save my seat. Oh, I hope the music is good next week. Oh, I hope the preaching's good. I hope, it, I hope we get out on time so we can go to lunch. It's easy for us to think that the result of all of this, that it's over, and this is the, the pinnacle of it all. But Jesus says, no, this isn't the end. You need to go. Don't just stay. Don't just celebrate. Go and make disciples. See, the resurrection is not just a, a celebration thing. The resurrection is the hope for all of the world. And Jesus says, you go share the hope of my resurrection with the people around you. We have to go. Far too often as Christians, 
We celebrate, we worship together, we get excited and we say, see you next week. Save my seat. Same time, same place. But we don't understand that this resurrection, that this life we have in Jesus is something that we have to share with others. And so Jesus says, go and make disciples. The, the disciples' response to, to this is that they went and they gave everything. And the result is this. You and I are here today worshiping Jesus because the disciples went and made other disciples. See, if God worked through the going of these few disciples, what can God do through us? What does God want to do through his church? What does God want to do through all of the people who will be watching this if we will just go and be faithful to make disciples? God will do amazing things. So he says, number one, go. Number two, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, his son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. See, anyone can make disciples. There are disciples all over the place. There are disciples of um, LeBron James. There are disciples of the Apple Company. There are disciples all over the place. Jesus says, go and make disciples. But then he says, baptize them in the name of the Father of my name, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. See, we're not just to go make disciples of anything. We're to go make disciples of Jesus. And when he says, baptize them in my name, there's something amazing that happens because when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you are changed completely. There's this really cool thing that um, Eli, my son, loves. We, we've watched some videos on it. It's called hydro dipping. And what you do is you take paint and you take water and you make designs in, in kind of a bucket or a big bin. And you make these designs and then you take a, an item, maybe a guitar or anything really. You could take a car door and you dip it into this paint. And when it comes back out, it reflects what was in the bucket. And that design and that, that, that what the paint looked like all of a sudden is what you look like. See, when we're baptized... In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, we should come out looking like Jesus. We go in looking one way, we come out looking like Jesus. And if we will go and make disciples, if we will baptize people in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're going to see people start to look like Jesus. It's going to be amazing. We've got to see more people baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We've got to go more. We've got to make disciples. We've got to baptize people. And then the last thing he says is teach. Teach them to obey my commands. See, uh, we can't baptize people if we don't go. And... And we can't baptize them in the name of Jesus if we don't teach them who Jesus is. But here's the key to all of this. We can't teach them if we aren't living it. If we don't know Jesus, if we're not baptized, if we're not reflecting Jesus, we can't teach them to obey Jesus. And so our response to resurrection can't just be to come together and party every year. 
That's not what Jesus wants for us. Jesus didn't come to the disciples in Galilee just to have a huge party and say, all right, see you again next week or see you again next year. That's not what Jesus wants for his church. That's not what Jesus wants for his people. Jesus says, go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey my commands. We are called to go, to baptize, and to teach. Listen, I'm so excited to celebrate Easter with you today, but this isn't the culmination of everything. Jesus is sending us to change the world. And I believe that Jesus wants to change people's lives through us. Our excuses are silly, but but people don't want to hear it. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. But, But there are too many competing things. All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. But I'm too busy. All authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Listen, God is over it all. And if we will be faithful to go and to share what Jesus has done in our lives, if we will be faithful to go and share our faith, God is bigger than the things that are keeping us, that are keeping others from him. And so we've got to go. The band's going to come up, and I just want to share a simple way that you can go. I know that right now we're not supposed to go very much. We're supposed to stay. We're supposed to shelter. We're supposed to lock ourselves down. But that can't stop us from going. Because here's the thing. I I thought about this. I I saw this uh, um, actually online, and I thought this was a great idea. Here's the thing. Usually on Easter, we would tell stories of resurrection. We would tell what Jesus had done in our lives. And and so this is no different. I want to challenge you to share your story of resurrection. I want to challenge you to go through sharing what Jesus has done in your life. And so you can do this a lot of different ways. You can make a video testimony. You can put it online. Listen, more people are spending more time online right now than ever before. Imagine if every single one of us posted the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. Imagine what God could do from that. Maybe some of you can't do that. I want to challenge you to share your resurrection story, whether it's on the phone, whether it's at work, However you can, we are called to go. See, Jesus came. Jesus gives us life. Jesus gives us hope and resurrection. So we live in that, but we share it with others. Father, help us to share your hope, your life, your resurrection with others. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that today we celebrate you're alive and we should celebrate today and we should party. But don't let it stop here, Lord. Call us to go. Call us to share. Call us to baptize people. Call us to teach. We love you, Jesus. Amen.